0: Welcome to In The Deep. I'm your host, Katherine Ingram. The following was excerpted from a Zoom session of Dharma Dialogues, which was broadcast from Australia on September 5th, 2020. It's called Give Yourself Permission. I invite you to join us for any of the upcoming monthly Zoom sessions, which will now be held at two different times on the first weekend of each month, to accommodate you wherever you are in the world. This is from Hafiz. I once had a student who would sit alone in his house at night, shivering with worries and fears. And come morning, he would often look as though he had been assaulted by a ghost. Then one day, my pity crafted for him a knife from my own divine sword. Since then, I've become very proud of this student For now, come night, not only has he lost all his fear, he goes out just looking for trouble. He goes out just looking for trouble. Now, obviously, I don't think Hafiz meant that he goes out looking for bad trouble. But what if the trouble that he might have referred to is he goes out looking for Joy or fun or ways to be delighted right so what was coming to me to say for this evening is to tell you to give yourself permission to have more fun to really enjoy and it can be very simple pleasures very very simple Little tiny things. There have been these plovers, these birds, nesting on my yard for the past 28 days. The mother sits on her, she had three eggs. Um, she sits on those eggs day and night. I have watched her through rainstorms, hot days, just in the sun, in the rain, in the night, and her husband, I guess, because they mate for life. I assume it's the male that is on guard. He runs around and screams and swoops at anyone who gets near her or the eggs. This morning they had the babies. So now there are these three little furry, feathery, tiny little creatures that you could put in a child's teacup running on the yard. And the parents are trying to corral them to keep them nearer to them, um, it's the most adorable thing ever, and I find myself—I just—I just can't wait to go out and look at them. But of course, it scares them a little bit, so I can't get too close to them to really get a really good look. But and also, there's a threat of being swooped. Um, but it has just been delighting my heart. I, I just feel like you know, overcome with a kind of strange and exhilarating joy. Um, That one, I guess, is a more dramatic, actually, uh, example with new birth, you know, right there in front of your eyes. And also appreciating, like, what a strange uh, evolutionary plan for plovers to to have their babies in these big open fields, but when you actually watch it, because their um, protection mechanism is the swooping with these little, they have these little um, poisonous sort of dart things under their wings, so if ever they did have to hit you with one, it would be painful. They usually don't have to, they just swoop. Even dogs, anything they swoop uh, kind of backs off. I heard even horses back off from them. Um, So I guess the open field makes sense in that regard. But the point being that find your own wells of joy and give yourself permission. You know, we have many of us held back We've been good boys and girls. We did what we were told. We try to do it all right. We strain and stress and we push around the blocks on the board and grind on another day, right? And I have sometimes, I've been that kind of, I've had that kind of way of being a lot of my life. Just not wanting to make a mistake, not wanting to you know, have any, make any trouble. (laughs) Um, And I've often marveled at people who have a much more carefree attitude and who kind of cruise along in life and just sort of go a lot more with the flow and have fun and really not sweat having to nail every, you know, dot every I and cross every T. I've had to kind of overcome my general conditioning and temperament that did have instilled in it a lot of fear about making a mistake and getting in trouble or making such a mistake that it would inhibit my future plans and dreams. And instead, I've seen that, boy, is that a fool's errand to be so tightened down, so locked down in the now, uh, waiting for, you know, trying to, keep things in control for some future that may never come and certainly won't look like one imagines. What a poignant and sad way to spend a life. So the sooner we recognize that, the better. And your joy is an antidote to fear. Your happiness, believe it or not, and I think we all kind of know this, your happiness actually gives you strength. Your happiness actually gives you courage. And that is the most fundamental antidote to fear. So don't be afraid of it. Give, your, Get loose. <laughs> right? Here in the time of COVID, I've read so many marvelous things about how people are just doing things that are just... Out of their ordinary habits. They're, they're, they're getting a lot more loose. And we've talked about it some on these on these Zoom sessions. I made a plan with a friend the other day to talk next week in the morning. And she was saying, you know, can we do it on Zoom? Can we do it on, can we do it visually? And I said, no, because I don't get out of my pajamas for most of the morning. (laughs) And I like to be as unkempt as I feel like being for a very long time after I get up these days. (laughs) That for me is incredibly um, relaxing and something that in my life I've not had that much permission to do. Now, Now I give myself permission to do all kinds of things. So my point is Who knows how much time we have, right? Things are kind of falling apart and we all know that. If you're paying attention to the news, you know that things are are getting tough and our assumptions about our ways of life are having to be revised. So not only was your life always a limited run, always in the best of times, in the best of circumstances, in the best of health, always had that, that end date baked in. And now it's probably even more precarious out there and saying, so, This is the time, if ever there was a time, for you to enjoy your life, for you to love all the little things. For you to have fun. You might take more risks, not dangerous risks, not dangerous to your health, more like psychological risks that don't harm anybody else. Step a little bit out of your, and I'm not gonna say comfort zone, it's more like your fear zone. Step a bit out of it, make some experiments.
1: This was very good for me what you were talking about because I've been, doing new things and doing what I want. And <laughs> and something that's been hard for me is feeling like I'm disappointing another person. I think that's, that's the toughest part for me is that sometimes what I want isn't what someone else wants. And handling that movement in myself is hard.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, one always has to have a balance of of how we uh, interact, especially when you're in a family uh, context, you know, you have to consider other people's needs and feelings and so on. But I would say it's completely fair for you to lean into living your own life the way you see fit and being as generous as you can along the way and explain your needs, if need be, but not to live your life for someone else. Your children are old enough now, right? Because when, when people have little children, they are, especially mothers, are, are living their lives for their little children during that phase. But once they, like, just like these little pl- plovers, I'm expecting at some point, they're going to be able to fly <laughs> and their parents won't have to guard them every second. But, um, <laughs> But I think that you're, um, that one of the things that can happen with being a parent is that the indoctrination and the conditioning is so strong that you're about thinking about someone else ahead of yourself that it does feel perhaps uncomfortable to start putting yourself first. Now, obviously, you're not going to put yourself first all the time, right? You'll put them first many times but it's fair enough for you to have your turn and to have to have joy and as i'm saying that's that gives you strength that gives you the wherewithal to be there for them in a really clear way mm. a lot of times it's not so much the amount of energy that we're expending with someone it's the quality of the energy yeah. and sometimes a little goes a long long way.
1: So I I think that's that comes to me really naturally to putting the other people first. <laughs> and I I actually strike an okay balance with my kids and my husband, but I've been um meeting some new people and making new friends. And so it's hard for me with new people To not do that, (laughs) to not put them first, to put, you know, finding that balance in new relationships, I think is what's really, really hard for me right now. Yeah. And it
0: works. Yeah. And well, it's just going to take making experiments, you know, Yeah, and and noticing when you're feeling a little bit like you're expending too much or that there's an imbalance, there's a disparity. It's all going to be about tuning into what feels good to you like is this really joyful for me to help this person right or am i doing it because i'm afraid they're not going to want to be friends with me if i don't right yeah. and so those are the kinds of things that you start tracking very carefully in your own being and your own body is going to give you the messages
1: yeah so it's about staying in tune with that even when with other people which can be a challenge and yeah. then the other big challenge is when i'm meeting someone new, there's some questions that people ask that are really normally pretty safe questions like, you know, if I go back to the States or things about my family that are actually not easy questions for me. Do you have a good way how to navigate around those kinds of things? Well,
0: I mean, what I tend to do is I answer because I don't want to create some big taboo feeling. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So I answer it briefly and with as much as I want to give uh, uh, of the of the information. Um, you know, um, I mean, it's really case by case. The, the words one would speak. Again, it's sitting in your own sort of joyful, courageous space, you'll be able to answer in such a way that lets the person know that this is as much as you're saying on the subject without actually explicitly saying those words. I'm not going to talk about it any further. You don't have to say that part. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, sometimes I'll say, oh, it's a long story and it's so boring, right? <laughs> <laughs> and then they might say, well, I won't be bored by it. And then I'll say, well, I would be, <laughs> I'll be more bored telling it. <laughs> Yeah.
2: hi um i'm in wales west wales in the uk mm. uh catherine this message today was it really what i need to hear um i've kind of realized recently that i've uh, it seems like I've lost my sense of humor a bit or mm. it's been a sort of creeping realization that I used to laugh a lot you know humor was something that was really it kind of it was a huge part of my identity and it, this seriousness has kind of crept up on me um, more so in recent times and uh, something something I've noticed is that when i Sometimes when I see something that reminds me of when I was kind of young and carefree, Mm. uh, like the other day I saw a documentary about Bob Marley coming to Britain, and um, you know, and it was it was wonderful, it was joyful, but I also wept a lot because there's a kind of feeling of I've lost some, I've lost some part of that kind of carefree, just loving life. Having fun and, um, mm-hmm. and and I think listening to you this morning, well, this morning is for me. It's this evening for you. There's um, a realization that actually that's just a choice. I, I can choose to look for the things that really, uh, you know, make make me laugh or just bring me real pleasure. So, I get, I get a sense of contentment, you know, uh, when I'm out in nature, particularly. Mm-hmm. I feel peaceful and contented, but it's not the same as feeling joyful.
0: I so understand. I, I've even written about it in this essay I wrote um, what you're talking about, about the walk down memory lane to certain parts of times of our lives that were so free and so full of hope. With the most amazing music, <laughs> you know our the, the soundtrack to our our particular era of live uh, was extraordinary, and the feeling in the air, and I too sometimes don't like to visit that like when I see a documentary that's about those those years or hear certain types of music. Um, I know what you mean i I can get very sentimental and it can overwhelm me with a feeling of the different, the way that it feels so different now uh, compared to that carefree time. Even though there were problems in the background, there were nothing like these that we have. <laughs> you know. So those were like, <laughs> there was nothing <laughs> practically. Um, so, you know, I do really understand. And what I do with that is sometimes I can endure those kinds of um, movies or music or whatever, but sometimes not. You know, one time my father had come to visit me, my father and his wife had come to visit me in Los Angeles. And my dad and I were sitting alone in the living room and I decided to play his favorite song, which was... It's all in the game. Do you know that song? No. a tear has to fall. Do you know that one? No. Anyway, it's a beautiful song. Beautiful song. And the original version was by this guy named Tommy Edwards. So I had this idea, I'm going to play this song for my father. And there we sat, and the it starts playing. And I'm looking at my father, I'm glancing over at him, and I realize he's crying. And... That was very unusual. My father was not a particularly sentimental guy, like he always hated Christmas, and <laughs> you know he just wasn't like that. but I could tell without his without him saying that what he was crying for was his lost his lost youth, his lost time as a young man, because there he sat as an old man, and the the difference of who he was as a young man was huge he was someone who really ate life and was just the world was his oyster and he was he had this irrepressible energy all through his young years up until he was probably 60 but at this point he was well into his his 70s late mid mid 70s and then he got uh, Parkinson's soon thereafter but it was kind of on its way and um yeah it was such a kind of revelation to me uh as to that experience of not wanting to visit that that memory right so i say with regard to what we're talking about today if that if putting something on that is uh, is going to trigger all that then don't stay in the now and find some little joy in the now you don't have to overcome that other thing and there may be a moment when you do feel like having it on or it's on or or you're having a good time with a friend you know and the two of you share that and you know when you're in a sort of stronger space and this is across the board with all kinds of things for us as well that we don't you don't have to force yourself to rise above in certain things that you have choice about. You don't have to force that. So part of the permission of giving yourself uh, joy is to move your attention off of things that are not giving you joy. And releasing any story that says you should be able to enjoy this thing or, uh, you know, you should not feel these sentimental feelings about how things used to be. And the, 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 what I would say is a, the natural pain of seeing the disparity of how things used to be and how they now are as the background context in which we live. That doesn't mean we can't have our own internal context that is joyful and is our sanctuary And that's one of my big practices these days is to stop spooking myself about the context and to stay with my own sanctuary of my being.
2: Mm.
0: It's not that one can entirely ignore the context, and I don't, but to not, um, not put all of the attention there and not sort of, you know, enshroud myself with it's gloom. <gasps> so, yeah, it's
3: it, yeah, it's a really curious thing, isn't it? This this uh, idea that the things that used to bring me such pleasure can now really move me to tears, and I've never spoken of it with anyone before. So it's a huge relief to hear you saying, "Yeah, you." You, you understand, you know. It's. Uh, I thought it was just a very odd thing. So thank you. Yeah, thank you. i found that wonderful. Um, what you were saying about uh, making sure you include joyful things in in, in your day, um, because. I've found it absolutely essential to do that in what I'm presently doing, which is I've come down from Queensland, which is virtually free of um, coronavirus, down into Victoria to look after my 92-year-old mother and it's getting towards um, three months that I've been doing this. And... Although I, I've enjoyed lots of aspects of doing this, I also find that it's becoming more of a, a, a duty um and less of a joy. And a few times I've found that I've gone several days without doing something for myself and found that is – um yeah not not good um it ma- makes me feel a bit um a bit sad because e- everything that i normally um, do to be a happy person is sort of gone at, at the moment, like all my struts <laughs> that I normally use in my life um, mm. are impossible down here including the weather down in Melbourne is just so cold. And it's also um, very locked down.
0: You guys are not allowed to go anywhere, right?
3: Yeah, that's right. So my whole world is just completely upside down. and um, So to find small joys by going out for a walk in nature is absolutely essential. And, yes, I've, I've been amazed at how... Virtually everything in my, my life I use to make my life uh, a, a happy one or gives me a, well, I suppose a bit of a box too to live in. Um, I don't know whether I'm saying that very well. It's just like all your normal struts and your structure of your life is gone. So it sort of can make you feel a bit bit lost or untethered which I've never had that feeling in my life life before
0: I'm kind of getting the sense of the you're in a phase of frustration it sounds like and and um, it's it's quite limiting in terms of any way that you might give yourself enough joy to kind of find that strength to keep going so In this case, it actually takes a a kind of a stronger intentionality. And it may mean that you've really got to treat this as a kind of critical moment for yourself and do all the things you know to do internally. And in. obviously, you have the internet, so you can actually be listening to a lot of dharma. Mine or Eckhart Tolle or any number of people, we have... So much material that you can spend all day if you needed to, to just keep yourself reminded. This is sort of a moment, this is a phase where it's easy to slip off track, especially when it's almost a feeling of imprisonment. And then on top of which you have the the situation with your mother, which must be also unsettling and 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 worrying. But how beautiful that you have gone there to help out. That is a privilege and it's something that one can imagine that in in the fullness of time you'll be so happy that you did. And even though this is hard, just keep reminding yourself as best you can that this is what your heart needed to do, wanted to do, and is, is going to be very happy to have done, even though it's quite hard. And this is true for so many things that we all go through. Whereby we find ourselves in a circumstance that, oh, you know, is taking every last drop of our energy and our patience and our having to put aside our irritability and feeling that this isn't how I really want to be spending my time and all those, those feelings that come up for people in all kinds of circumstances. My friend and I, I was thinking about this the other day, a friend and I. We were doing something in my house. We were actually cleaning a room and making the beds and, and just kind of cleaning up because some other friends had just left because they moved to New Zealand the other day. They'd been here for a week. So after they left, I was kind of tidying up and changing sheets and all that. I had a friend over helping me. We were both wearing our masks to be, to be careful. And after such a short time of being in our masks, once we were out in much bigger open space and had areas where there was much more air and breeze and we could take off our masks, we were both commenting on how hot it was with those, just the face masks. And I was saying to her, imagine the medical teams that are, they're in plastic from head to toe and the masks and the eye gear and they're enshrouded in plastic and hot stuff that they're just sweating under there. And it's for hours and hours and hours doing super critical things. These are real heroes of our time. These are amazing people because, yes, all, always doctors and nurses who have been working in triage of any sort, those, they're always amazing and it's, it's astounding that they can do it. But usually they're not having to be covered head to toe in, in in this kind of personal protective equipment that is so difficult to be in when just wearing a little mask for half an hour is sort of you know hot and uncomfortable. Yeah. <laughs> so I was just reflecting on that. I was I was kind of um, marveling at that. And these are ways that I do in my own little changing of my mind movie to stop myself from whining. (laughs) And so what I would say to you is, to stop yourself from any whining, remind yourself that this is exactly what you wanted. You chose this, you left an area that had no COVID cases. You went to the one part of the entire country where the most COVID cases are, where the most deaths are, where they're totally locked down, and you did that out of love.
3: Thank you,
4: Catherine. You're welcome. <laughs> mm. Reflecting on, on what you said today, um, my own personal situation is uh, in the past three weeks since we met last, I've had what remained of my tours, touring life, um, completely cancelled. Really? Because I thought
0: thought you said you you had started up again.
4: No, no, that that was a false lead. And then that entire agency in New York City, perhaps the number one classical music agent, um, they collapsed. That was Columbia Artists. Wow. And and so my agent has collapsed. Um, So, you know, we are. in our community, um, very existentially concerned, and at the same time, we're we're thinking, you know, when can this start up again? Because we need this thing, and so we're we're contacting all the agents who are still standing and saying, how about Japan? How about China? How about Taiwan? Let's let's go. Let's go. Let's you know get something uh, on the books here. And it's a complete cognitive dissonance with my general outlook, and you know that, um, how I feel, about even near-term problems. And uh, so, you know, the, the idea of finding that small thing that brings me joy, um, I identify with very strongly. And the thing that brought me the greatest joy was picking peaches. From my two little peach trees that are growing here in the middle of the city in Berlin, um, in a hidden garden, um, and I don't know if you've ever picked a peach before. I have. But we had some very warm days, and you put your hand around the peach, and you feel the warmth of the fruit, and then you pull it away from the stem of the tree, and you hear a little click, and then and then the tree gives you the peach, and and that instant, you feel the weight of the peach. And the mm-hmm. peach is then, is then a separate entity. And uh, then you smell it, and it smells beautiful and fruity and ripe. Then you go in and slice it onto your cereal. And this has been my greatest joy.
0: It's a pretty oh, good one.
4: <laughs> that's, that's up there. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I, I agree wholeheartedly that we need to find um those joys that, that bring us further. Um, and I agree totally in saying in the present. Um, reflecting on the past is too full of of um things that pull me down. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. because then I reflect on the present. Oh I can't do that. I can't go here. I can't meet them. Um, and and that's that just brings me down. So I, I don't I don't even go there. Watching films that I reacted to in some way in the past, you can't go home. Yeah, you can't go back and, and relive those moments.
3: Yeah.
4: I also realized that um a very strong influence in my life was my grandmother, who died at the age of 98. And it's interesting to me that when I when I think of her um in the times in my life when when she was there for us. Um, I remember her physically in different forms. You know, it's not like I have one grandmother and that's the archetypal grandmother and I always see her in that dress, in that hairdo and with that pair of glasses. No, I see her in various physical um, manifestations of, of how I knew her over the, the 40 or 50 years that I knew her. Mm-hmm. and. It's the same way when we, we remember those who, who are departed. Yeah. That they, they appear to us in different ways, in different forms. And in that sense, they're always with us. You know, they're really always with us. And, and sometimes I think of my grandmother in such strong terms that, that it is almost like a physical presence.
0: I know what you mean. All the people I have loved who have passed away, there's a way in which their voice is a certain type of reference in my head. Like, it's not that I would know exactly what they would say in a given circumstance, but I would pretty much know what they might say, you know, that I would just, I would, I feel like I have these kinds of, not in, not that they're magically hanging around, but that I have these, these feelings of um, their perspectives Live in me as a reference point, you know. So, like, I can. I often joke with my brother's best friend about things that my brother would, you know, respond to, and how he. Would, I mean, we both agree. Oh my God, he would love that, or he couldn't. He would hate that, or you know, and um, and in particular with with Leonard, he's been such an influence, and and I still like often will think oh, how would Leonard see this, you know? I would sort of see it through his eyes, you know? Um, And so it's a way that our loved ones live on in us, in our, like they have influenced us. And they have influenced the way we perceive. And of course they've influenced us in the way we love. And especially when we've lost them, it makes the preciousness of who's left all the more obvious.
4: When I go back and listen to recordings of former teachers of mine who have, who have passed away, mm. um, it's really, really remarkable um, because I can swear they're standing in the room next to me. <laughs> and for, for instance, that, that sound of my teacher's Guarneri del Gesù in my ears, you know, um, it just really sends me to hear mm. the recording, because then I can, I can smell his cologne, mm. um, cigarettes I can smell on his hands. After he played on my instrument, I could, you know, he left a, a, a scent on my instrument. It all, it's all very physical, it's all very real. Mm. And, and I, I have that now. If I put on a recording, I can smell his cologne, I can, mm. I can see his, his intensity, and it affects how I play. You know, if mm. I start thinking about Julian, it's like all of a sudden, something happens. Wow. So, you know, wow. for me, music is, of course, a very, very strong um, concourse where I meet all of these people and they're still completely alive for me. Mm.
0: How wonderful. Really wonderful. Yeah. Those count as really beautiful joys. Those kinds of connections that don't uh, don't trigger mournful feelings necessarily, but just feelings of of, of like you say like an aliveness in
4: the room yeah yeah a presence
0: a presence
5: yeah hi catherine and everyone hi. Um, thank you for your encouragement to uh lighten up a bit <laughs> um it was interesting just you know different things are triggered from what different people are saying and I was just reminded there of a friend of mine who died 20 years ago, near enough. And yesterday it occurred to me that he said to me one day, take a risk. Mm. And I was reminded of this yesterday. So it's really in tune with what you're saying about people who died and taking a risk. Um, I guess what what you're saying about Jack Kerouac saying loss is forever. Accept loss
0: forever.
5: um, Pardon? The line is, accept loss forever.
0: Oh, accept loss forever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because um, some losses are forever, and you have to f- accept it. Right.
5: Uh, could you also read it as losses? There is always going to be.
0: Yes. Loss. Could. Yes. Yes. That's yeah. a really that's a really good read of it as well. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's it's just constant, ongoing, ongoing. Right. Yeah, today you know, looking at the little baby plovers. Um, I live I live next to a forest, and in that forest there are lots of creatures. There's there's snakes, there are bush turkeys, there's lizards, there's all kinds of stuff because this is Australia. <laughs> and, um, yeah. And so I wonder if all three of those little baby plovers are going to be here in the morning because now. Yeah night you know and um and it is known that not all the little baby plovers make it you know and I I in part part of what was happening for me and seeing them and feeling this these waves of joy and they're so cute um you know but there's also this sense of I wonder if all three of them will be here tomorrow and and the day after and until they get to the point where they can fly and will they even make it to that point. And so, yes, to your point, there's always, always loss, right? There's just part of this life is the constant impermanence. The only thing that's unchanging (laughs) is the change. And so, yes, that's another very
5: good read on it as well. And would you say as well that, you know, the idea that we're always in a sense, the same? Or, 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 or would you say that we do change? The person that we are, say, later in life is not actually the person. You know, sometimes people say, I know I look 80, but I feel like 20. But do we really stay? Or are, are we actually, you know, actually not the same person at all? That we have lost something, in, in a sense, that does change us. I mean, it's a
0: a complicated discussion, I would say, um, because as we know, as the as the biologists can tell us, our cells change every seven years. We we have all new cells every seven years, yeah. and we all we all know that even though we might say I feel thirteen, um, in fact, you're very different from when you were thirteen. Yeah, exactly. exactly or even yeah. 20, or any number, any number of prior time, really. Um, but there is, nevertheless, there is a thread of consistency, and I would say that what that thread is, is the taste of being. Just that. yeah. The simple experience in its most essential form of being. And like when I ask myself, What do I remember from all those previous times? What do I most remember? What I most remember is being, right? Just being, like being sitting with my grandmother on the porch. I don't remember much about anything else. I was tiny. I was probably my maybe my memory goes to four or five with Mm -hmm. her sitting on her porch, Um, just being. I mean, that's really. I, I would dare say that if someone showed me a movie and I didn't recognize myself uh, as a child, I wouldn't really feel any particular relationship to what that child was saying or or whatever. And sometimes, um, one time I found an old pocketbook in the attic of my father's house that had been, that was literally covered in dust. Um, And inside of it were all these notes that I had written all these like notes that I'd written. Even my handwriting was very different. Because so I was probably in the sixth or seventh grade when I had written all these notes. And when I found the pocketbook, I was around 30-ish. And it was unrecognizable. I didn't remember any of the things I was talking about in the notes. I didn't even remember the friends I was talking about yeah. um, writing to. Um, yeah, it was great. It was quite an interesting moment <laughs> for me. It was like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, I recognized it as my earlier handwriting, and there was obviously some familiarity. But so I knew those that I had written those words. But, yeah, you know. Um, so it, it's a it's a
5: complicated. Yeah, question answer. It seems more freeing to feel that we can actually, you know, we're not that same person. I have friends recently who were in a conversation. Saying that they knew me, but it was a nostalgic thing from from 20 years ago, and they were almost trying to pin me down to who that and I and I'm certainly I'm not, you know, in terms of how they were relating to me that person 20 years ago. So it was this really interesting nostalgic moment that almost they wanted me that I should be and Mm -hmm. think the same, and um, it it seems quite freeing to feel, and that's part of loss maybe as well that actually, yeah, from from one year to the next, maybe it's, it's, we don't have to be that exact same. And
0: And I I do think also that people who are living in a much more, living in more presence, living in more um, kind of the deeper waters of consideration about things
5: yeah, yeah. I
0: think there is a more a more fluid sense of their personalities, actually. Okay. Yeah, yeah. That they're more... Absolutely. They're more mysterious to their, their own selves. Oh, um, yeah. right? That they're, they're living as, as a kind of mystery to themselves. And yeah. that's become very flexible, right? And that's part of what I'm saying tonight. I'm glad you brought okay. it up in this way, is that yeah be much more of a surprise to yourself right interesting um, it's yes yeah, it's, it's interesting me, way you know, kind of break through the bonds that are invisible anyway you know and and yeah. i think one of the things how people do get stuck is that they can completely reinforce their habitual patterns of mind right so they yeah. because they're just constantly practicing the same way that they relate to things and the same stories <laughs> about things and they get kind of locked in. Yeah. Yeah. And they keep reinforcing that instead of this kind of freshness of being and this mystery of being and this kind of um, free flow, they're, they're kind of reinfecting the, the solidity of their own personalities by practicing them all the day and having such- a background story that's saying, Oh, that's not for me. Or I don't, no, I don't do that, or I don't. know, I don't. I'm not interested in that, and it, just a constant way that they have defined themselves. I mean, a lot of the whole the identification of self is basically a practiced um, oh. habit. Yeah. So, in this Very kind of freshness, um, yeah, you, you can keep surprising yourself. Yeah, and absolutely. you're surprising yourself by being very authentic when you, when you speak and when you interact with other people. Right.
5: right.
0: And, you mean and you there, don't
5: know what you might say, but you...
0: Yeah, you don't know what you're going to say and you stop, <laughs> censor, you stop censoring it very much, you know, and, and oh, you take more, you more risks that way. You basically... And then some are going to love that and some are not, but okay. Those ones that don't love it, they don't have to hang around you <laughs> <laughs> well
5: that's one of the that's one of the other things I was thinking. sometimes I can be quite free around taking risks, and then sometimes what happens is you you have a quote or I have a quote I think from you from many years ago, you end up dashed up on the rocks and bleeding, so sometimes I can be in great gusto, and i you know I'm going to die someday nothing matters, and the next <laughs> time I'm in licking my wounds because. Of the risk, you know. Right, sure. Well,
0: I mean, obviously, as I said earlier, not that you're taking severely
5: dangerous risks, but sometimes risks in personality. Yeah, or Um, relationships and relating. Yeah, Yeah, no, that's that's what I mean. But sometimes it seems, oh, yeah, I can handle anything. And then, yeah, bang. Yeah, but that's part of the risk. It wouldn't be a risk.
0: Yes, absolutely. And one of the things I have found... In speaking my heart at times when I was scared to do it and and having to kind of speak it while being scared, right, um, as soon as I've done that, i I feel strong from it, and I kind of come what may and sometimes it does cost, but not as much as holding it in and feeling weak and scared
5: <laughs> so.
0: <laughs> sometimes, yeah. sometimes yeah. there's reaction or this, this something gets let go or yeah you, know, you walk away from something that might have been lucrative, for instance, or
5: yeah. um, all kinds of things like that. Yeah, thank you very much.
0: This has been in the deep. We invite you to join us for any of the online Zoom sessions, which now occur two times monthly on the first weekend of each month. And if you're enjoying these podcasts, please consider a donation for the monthly production and hosting costs. The donation button is on each page of our website, katherineingram.com. It would also be very helpful if you can give a review or even just a rating, especially on Apple Podcasts. Till next time.